0: We're not tearing down walls. We're rebuilding walls. We're in the midst of the series, as you know, in the book of uh, Nehemiah. And as uh, maybe some of you have come in and, and not noticed uh, the wall, or this is the first time you've been a part of the series, um, as you notice, we're, we're rebuilding the, the wall that uh, has been destroyed by different, just anything in our lives, just bad choices and um, so on and so forth, and what we 're looking at during this series of Nehemiah is is how do we rebuild the areas of our lives that that have fallen into destruction and Nehemiah is a perfect picture of that, and uh, as you see up here these these bricks you have you have a a brick in your seat today, and, and we 're going to give you instructions on that at the end of the message on what to do with that, but as you can see we 're slowly but surely rebuilding this this wall that was dilapidated, that was in destruction. Uh, very symbolic of what happened in nehemiah's time and each one of these bricks represent a life a decision that you've made to change something in your life which i want you to realize that every single brick represents an individual decision that you have made not only to rebuild your life but rebuild the community's life because your decision not only affects you but it affects the decision and the outcome of what happens in the community of living word and what i'm excited about is that every decision we make for the lord changes those around us not only changes us but our family and our community i believe that god has placed living word in this community for a reason and, and, and your life is, is, is symbolic of a life that's been changed, that can, that can actually flood out in, into the community that says, hey, this, my life has changed. God has done some great things in my heart. He wants to do the same things in your life. And I believe when a community of believers is changed by Jesus Christ, it should affect the community around them. There should be a difference. Man, this is, wake up 830. Let me just, let me just, I'm excited this morning. I was at a baseball game for my son and I was just talking to some people and and some people that have come through the church in years before and and just having a good conversation with them. And this this one uh, young mom I was talking to, she goes, can I just say something about living word? I've got a friend that drives 20 miles to come to your church every week. And she says she just loves it. She drives 20 miles to come to church, and that just got me excited because when God begins to move in people's hearts, they're going to drive. They're going to drive. Of course, I make my parents drive 25 miles to come to church, but they drive it, right? When God begins to do a work in your heart, I believe it begins not only to affect our church, but the community around us, and that's what we're going to look at today and, and, and I, once again, I want you to remind you that, that the destructions of the walls in Nehemiah's times was symbolic of so much more. The, the broken walls and the broken gates, as we talked about last week, were symbolic. The walls represented in the prophecy that we saw through the prophet Isaiah, that the walls symbolized the salvation and the protection and the deliverance of the Lord. And the burned gates were were symbolic of, of coming into God's presence. Remember, when they came into Jerusalem, that was the place they worship the song we sang this morning about coming into the courts of the Lord literally that that was a vision that the Israelites would have when they would come in for the festivals and they would come to worship the Lord they would come into the courts of the Lord that surrounded the temple of God they were excited about coming into the courts because they knew that was the place where God would be that God's presence was that they would worship with other followers of God and they were excited about coming in to the temple of God they would actually sing songs as they would make their pilgrimage from towns around jerusalem about being excited about coming into the presence of the lord their hearts desire to be in the presence of god and so jerusalem was symbolic of where god dwelt that temple where god's presence was it was very symbolic and so the destruction of the walls and the gates was symbolic of the destruction of the israelites own personal lives And so Nehemiah, through this word that he got, he said, listen, uh, this isn't right. The walls should not be in destruction. The gates should not be burned down any longer. We've got to do something about this because Nehemiah knew it was symbolic of their own personal lives. And that's why Isaiah spoke. He says, listen, your your walls, Lord, they, they are salvation. Your gates, they are your praise that people walk into. And so Nehemiah knew there was something spiritual going on in israel and the spiritual significance of this is that their lives were in destruction and so what what god birthed in my heart a couple months ago three four months ago and i was like lord if if our church is going to move to the next level with you it's first got to start with us god you've got to start rebuilding some things in our own personal lives and until god does that we're not going to be effective within our community and so many times what happens in our lives is that we allow things to become in disrepair. We ignore things in our lives and, and week after week and month after month and year after year, when that thing gets in disrepair, we kind of ignore it. We become numb to it, but eventually it does affect our own spiritual lives. And so we wonder, God, why, why don't I have a fervor for you anymore? What's going on in my life? Why do, where is the passion that I had for you, Lord? Why is it gone? Well, there's something that has been ignored in your life. And what I want us to do over these next couple months is take a serious look at our own personal lives and saying, God, okay, this area in my life is in disrepair. I've got to do self-examination of my life. Why are my finances in ruin? Why, why are my relationships in turmoil? Why is my prayer life not where it's supposed to be? There's something going on and we shouldn't just look at the servant and say, oh, well, We should say there's something going on, and what's going on is there's something going on in our heart that we've ignored and not allowed the Lord to deal with in our lives. And so my prayer for you, as we make these decisions and as we rebuild the wall of our lives in our community, that God would begin to do some extraordinary things in your life, that you won't settle for the norm anymore, that you're going to say, you know what, this isn't right, and I shouldn't be this way. I should have a hunger for the Lord. I should have a hunger to want to read his word. I should have a hunger to want to pray and seek his face. Why is my heart numb to those things? And that's why God led Nehemiah back to Jerusalem to restore the spiritual lives of his people. Now, I want you to remember that the temple was already rebuilt. It wasn't the temple of the past glory People were still apathetic towards the Lord even though the temple was rebuilt. Their lives were still in destruction and Nehemiah knew something. In order for their lives to be rebuilt, the walls around God's city had to be rebuilt because it was symbolic of their spiritual lives. And so that's what we're looking at. So today, what I want to look at specifically today is i want to jump into chapter 1 and look at the prayer of Nehemiah and what he prayed and what God birthed in Nehemiah's heart to pray for the city of Jerusalem. I want you to realize the city of Jerusalem is imperative that we understand the, the spiritual significance of Jerusalem. Do you realize Jesus is going, to, is going to return one day? And guess where he's going to return? To Jerusalem. It's it's very prophetic. And so when the walls are in destruction, this is where God's glory was spoken from. It's from the city of Jerusalem. And so the destruction of Jerusalem is symbolic of the destruction of the spiritual lives of the people. And so God wants to rebuild their spiritual lives symbolically. So what, what, what Nehemiah does here is he begins to rebuild the lives of God's people. So 445 years before the birth of Christ, we see Jerusalem, which lays in destruction because of the country of Babylon. Now we we know through church history, we understand through the Old Testament that God allowed foreign countries to come into Israel and take them captive because of their sin and rebellion against God. It was a judgment against Israel. So you see this destruction Of Babylon and then you see other countries take over and eventually during Nehemiah's time it's Persia that is the leading power of the day and the temple was rebuilt but it was a glimpse of its past glory the city was still in turmoil and the gates and the walls around Jerusalem are in ruin 141 years these walls lay in ruin and so Nehemiah living in another country was the result of the captivity of Israel. And and Nehemiah in this other country had a very prominent position as the cupbearer to the king of Persia. And so when Nehemiah got word of the state of Jerusalem, he was devastated. Now we have to understand, why is is Nehemiah uh, devastated? You see, Jerusalem's... Uh, lay in ruin, and it's, it symbolizes god 's glory amongst other nations. God wanted to speak through his people not for his people 's sake alone, but he wanted to use Israel so that his glory could be shown to the nations around them to show them that he and he alone is God. So the destruction symbolizes the spiritual condition of Israel one hundred and forty one years it lay in ruin. Now, what can happen over years of this type of Conditioned, What can it do in the psyche, in the heart, in the spirits of people? Well, they begin to say things like this. This is the way it is. This is the way it will always be. And so people began to think that this is normal, and they begin to live that way. How many of you ever just... You, 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 you've compared your life to somebody else, and you're like, am I living the right way? Because... I'm living this normal way that I think is normal and maybe this isn't normal. And I think what began to happen in the hearts of those that returned, the exiles began to return to, to Israel is they seen this destruction, they just got so complacent and their hearts became so hardened to the destruction around them that they just began to say, this is normal. And so Nehemiah knew this wasn't normal. This isn't the way it was supposed to be. And that's exactly what can happen to our lives. Some of you here today, you were brought up in very dysfunctional families. And you think this is the only way it is. We yell and we fight. When we argue, we yell and we fight. We yell and we fight. We yell and we fight and we fight. And we yell and we yell and we fight a little bit more. It's just the way you do it. You raise your voice when you get in an argument. And you think that's the way it is. And then you become to realize, wait a minute, that's not the right way to handle things. And Nehemiah knew that God's purpose and plan was to glorify himself through man, through us, through his people. And so as we studied last week, the gates were symbolic of coming into the Lord's presence and the walls symbolized the salvation of the Lord to save and protect. And as soon as Nehemiah heard the news of the condition of Jerusalem, he wept and mourned for days so let's pick up the story here if you've got your bibles you can use the bible in your seats in front you if you don't have one or you can look at the screens i'm going to look at nehemiah chapter 1 and i want to dig into verses 4 through 11 and upon hearing the news mean, hundreds of miles away he hears the news of the destruction of the walls and here is the prayer that nehemiah prays incredible prayer a uh, right out of the heart of God. So let's read this together, starting with verse 4. Nehemiah's prayer it says, As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and is steadfast, love, Who's those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayers of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you, even I. And my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statues, the rules that you've commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are faithful, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the people. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to a place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give access to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, the king of Persia is what Nehemiah is saying here. And Nehemiah finishes prayer saying, now I was a cupbearer to the king. So let me pose a question to you this morning. Why is Nehemiah so upset? This event happened some 141 years earlier. You would think that people would have emotionally moved on. It would be the same as me getting all emotional over President McKinley's death in 1901 that happened over 100 years ago. It'd be like, oh, President McKinley died? Really? He did? Oh, my, you know, oh, my, President McKinley did really? I mean, this is how his heart, his, his burden, you know, I'm not saying that the event of President McKinley is not, not a sad event, but eventually people emotionally move on. And what I believe, there's a couple things that happened here, and I, I want you to notice what nehemiah says and does next he doesn't say oh well too bad for them i have a good job as the as a prominent position as the cupbearer to the king my life is okay too bad for them they blew it they sinned so my life is good and my job is good so i'm just gonna not worry about it but what did nehemiah do that was right what did nehemiah understand that we need to understand here And and I want you, if you if you're taking notes in your notes there, you can jot this down. Jot this down. Nehemiah knew the heart of God. People, listen. If if God is going to change us intrinsically within our spirits, if God is going to do a great work within our heart, we've got to know the heart of God. We've got to say, God, what do you desire? what's what's on your mind what's your will and in nehemiah's prayer he knew full well that they disobeyed the commands of the lord that's why they were in the destruction that they were he didn't make up excuses he didn't say oh well life goes on we blew it he knew that this was not the heart of god he knew things needed to change You see, what Nehemiah began to understand as he he grappled with the heart of God, he knew that this was wrong, that this should not be. And what Nehemiah did was he looked beyond his own life and he said, you know what, something's got to change because Jerusalem represents who God is. It's symbolic of the glory and the power of God and what will be one day when we have a new heaven and a new earth and a new city of Jerusalem. And he saw beyond his own walls. And people, listen, if we're going to get the heart of God, we're going to have to look beyond the four walls of this church and realize that it's so much more about you sitting in a seat week after week after week It's so much more. God wants to do so much more than what he's doing in the four walls of this church. In fact, God says, I want my glory to be shown not only in this church, but in this community around the world. And until we catch the heartbeat of God, everything that God does for you is going to end up ending with you. It's It's just going to stay with you. And, and you're going to take what God gives you and you're going to leave it there and you're going to go about your lives and you're going to live this life that say, I'm just going to keep within myself. But God says, listen, I have so much more for you. I want my glory to be shown through you. And when I caught this, even as a teenager, I realized going into my public high school that God says, Barton, I have so much more for you than just going to church. I want my glory to be shown through you as you walk the hallways of your high school. And so God began to challenge me to start carrying my Bible. You know, when I first started carrying, I would carry it inside of my books, you know, because I was a little a little embarrassed. And then, and then God says, no, Barn, I want you to carry it. And I don't want you bringing one of these little pocket Bibles that you can stick in your pocket, right? He goes, I want you to carry the big family King James Bible. No, I'm teasing. I, I, had a, I didn't have but I had one, it was a red Bible. I can remember my dad gave it to me when I first got saved. It had all the tabs in it. Remember the tabs? How many, when you first got saved, had all the tabs? You know where to, to turn in the Bible. Remember those little, you spent all those hours putting the tabs on each, each book so you knew where to turn right away so you, you didn't fumble around when the pastor said, Please turn me to the book of Ezekiel. And You knew you could turn right there and look real spiritual. So I had this red Bible. And it had Holy Bible right on the outside of it. So you you couldn't mistake what it was. And I can remember sitting in the cafeteria one day, put my books down, and one of my friends says, is that a Bible? Really loud. I said, could you say it a little louder? Because the other 400 kids in the cafeteria couldn't hear it. Could you say just a little bit? In fact, could you stand up on the table and just say, is that a Bible? You know, so just, just to embarrass me, I said, yeah. And he goes, what are you doing with that? I said, well, I read it. Really? are you supposed to just do that on Sundays? I said, no, I I, I like to read it every, you know, we got in these discussions or whatever. But I remember that was the first point that I was actually challenged that God said, Barden, don't hide it under a bushel. Don't hide your light. Begin to let it shine. I want to use you in here. And when you begin to look beyond yourself and your own four walls, you say, God, you want to do something greater. Nehemiah, understood this. He didn't settle. He didn't give up. He didn't, the, he didn't cast the blame on Babylon. He didn't say it's their fault for the problems that were in. Nehemiah goes right to the source of the problem. And the problem was the rebellion of God's people. This wasn't God's fault. It was Israel's fault. It was our fault. And what Nehemiah does, which I love, is he takes responsibility He doesn't sit back and remove himself and say, okay, God, these are your people. They have sinned. I'm living right for you. And so now I'm going to go up and clean up their mess. No, what Nehemiah does is when he prays, he includes himself in that prayer. Isn't that amazing? He says, not only have your people have sinned, but I've sinned and my own household has sinned. He begins to include himself saying, I'm not removed from this problem, Lord. And so he stands in the gap and he says, God, please forgive us. It wasn't God's fault. It was our fault. Nehemiah takes responsibility. He says, we have sinned. I have sinned. And he begins to humble himself before the Lord so that God can begin to do a great work through his people. So Nehemiah knew the heart of God. If you're taking notes, jot this little statement down. Nehemiah understands that this isn't God's plan for them to live in destruction, Nehemiah understands that the destructions of the wall is not God's plan. This isn't right. This disturbs him. Now, if we're going to get the heart of God and understand what God's plan is, when we look into our community and we see lives that are destroyed because of sin, it needs to grieve our heart to the point that we say, this is not God's plan. When we look into our own lives and we see parts of our lives that are in destruction, it needs to grieve our heart to say, this isn't what God wants. Am I settling for something that's destroying my own life? This isn't what God wants. So God, break my heart. So we understood exactly what God's plan was. And he knew that the destruction of the wall were symbolic of their spiritual lives. And this wasn't right. And so when we look into our own lives and into our, the life of our community, it needs to break our hearts. Not to point the finger and say, they're just a bunch of sinners headed down the road to hell. Too bad for them. What it needs to do is say, that's not right. God wishes, and it's God's plan, and it's God's desire, and it's God's will that all come to what? Repentance. That's God's will. God's will is for the restoration of the heart of his people to come back to him. So Nehemiah understands this isn't God's plan. The destruction of the wall is not God's plan. But what happens is this: people settle for what is normal. They begin to say, Well, this is normal, this is the way it is. But Nehemiah knew that this was a direct result of sin. And as long as for as long as about four months. The scriptures tell us that Nehemiah was praying and mourning over this news. It's easy for us to blame everyone else for for the problem that we're in. We live in a very no-fault society. Have we ever considered that the mess that we're in is for the simple reason that we have sinned? The moral epidemic in America today stems from the very reason that we've done the very same thing. That we've fallen away from God's statutes, that we've fallen away from God's commandments. And, and, and in fact, we're going to do a whole series in the summer looking at the Ten Commandments and are they still relevant for today? So, until we take responsibility for our sin, until we bend our knee before God and admit that we've fallen away from Him and His statutes, we'll never find forgiveness. You see, what, what Nehemiah expresses in this prayer is that they knew God's law; they knew His statutes; they knew, by by living according to His statutes and obeying His law, that God would bless them. They knew this. But but as we, uh, so easy for us to point the finger at Israel and say, "Oh, look at the mess that they are in." All of us have also broken God's law. We've broken His standard. And if I were to ask you today, to have you kept all of God's commandments perfectly, all of us in this room, including myself, if we're honest with ourselves, we haven't. We've all lied. We've blown it at times. And there's a there's a a picture that John gets in the book of Revelation for those who God reserves for those who disobey him and those that will be cast in the lake of fire. And, and, and John gets this vision, and this is what it says. It says, but for as the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable in Revelation 21.8, as far as the murderers, the sexual immoral, the sorcerers, idolaters, all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. So we have to ask ourselves, we're the ones that have disobeyed God. And if God is, is a just God, then we all deserve death. And so Nehemiah understood this. It was the sins of their people. We need to understand today it's our own sins and our own disobedience that cause us to get in the mess that we're in today. And we need to come back and say, God, restore us. And here's the wonderful thing about God. It's only by God's grace that we can be saved. We can't restore ourselves. We need the grace of God. And so what Nehemiah does is wonderful. And this is a great pattern for you and I, and hopefully this will give us hope today that Nehemiah doesn't make excuses, but he humbles himself before the Lord. And in fact, Nehemiah asked the Lord for mercy, even though he doesn't deserve it, even though the people of Israel don't deserve it. We have broken your commands. We know better. They knew if they were unfaithful to God that God would scatter them. They, were, they, they understood that with perfect knowledge of what God would do to them through the laws of Moses that he gave his servant Moses. Now, Nehemiah knew that if they obeyed God, he would bring them back. He would restore them. No matter how far they were scattered, no matter how far they were away from the Lord, God said, I will bring you back. And that's good news for you and I today, right? Right? No matter how far we've walked away from the Lord, no matter how much we think we've disobeyed him, God said, I will bring you back and through my grace, I will restore you. That, that was the thing that was burning in the heart of Nehemiah, that he knew that God would be faithful to restore his people because Nehemiah understood the word of the Lord, that if they obeyed him, God would begin to rebuild the walls in Jerusalem. So Nehemiah didn't settle. He just didn't say, you know what? Well, our sins are too far. We're we're too far gone. We're no good. We've sinned too much. And we might as well just give up. What I love about Nehemiah is he never gave up. The impossible task of rebuilding the walls. He said, you know what? With God's help, we're able to do it. And through God's grace, he is able to restore you. Amen. That's the good news. That no matter how far away you are from the Lord, God will restore you. I was, I was, uh, watched the end of the golf, la- uh, yesterday afternoon. I actually took a nap yesterday. I took a nap. I have three kids in my house and I took a nap. I don't remember the last time I took a nap. It was glorious. It was wonderful. Even with everybody, I was so tired, even with everybody yelling and we had cousins over and stuff like that. I took a let's think about that lord thank you for naps in the afternoon so i took a nap that has nothing to do with my story but it's just i wanted to tell you because it was just wonderful taking a nap um watching the snow fly outside the window but anyways um th- there was a great story uh, about a a sports commentator pat summerall that that died and they kind of mentioned they kind of gave tribute to his life and he was a golf commentator and uh he was, uh, they, they just shared a little bit about his story. And at the end of his story, they said this, which I thought was just great. He said, this is what Pat wanted everyone to know, that for 21 years he was sober. He was an alcoholic, and for 21 years he was sober. And he says, if it wasn't for the grace of God, I would have never made it, made it. And he said, this is what I want everyone to know. It's never too late with God. I was so glad. I've got two... After my nap, I got tears in my eyes listening to that story because it was so powerful. Here's a man who maybe thought that he was too far removed because of his alcoholism or whatever. And here he says, you know what? With God's help, by the grace of God, it's all God's grace. And he says, it's never too late with God. Nehemiah understood that. Nehemiah understood that with with the heartbeat of God, that it's never too late with him, that God's desire was to restore the very broken lives of people. So hopefully that gives you some hope today that it's never, ever, ever, ever too late with God. So here's the heart of God, is that when we humble ourselves before him and not make excuses for our sins and we lay our sins before him, God will restore us. So here's really the deal. Nehemiah understood that prayer was the key. Prayer was the most powerful thing that he could do at that moment. Notice that Nehemiah just didn't pack up all his stuff and just the next day go to to Jerusalem, hundreds of miles away to restore it. He spent months in prayer preparing his heart before the Lord to make sure that his motives were correct. I believe the greatest thing you will ever, 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 ever do in your life is pray. Because what prayer will do is it will not only humble you before the Lord, but it will, it will allow you access to gain God's heartbeat in that matter. It would allow you to get discernment and understanding of what God wants. But also, God will soften your heart, not, not to look at your life, but to look with the heart of God and what he desires. And Nehemiah was very careful to pray and develop that close, intimate relationship with God so that he wasn't doing what he wanted. He was doing what God wanted him to do. Amen? And prayer does that. Prayer humbles us. It gains us access into the very presence of God and what God's desires for our heart. So really, prayer is not so much about the posture of your body as much as the posture of your heart. It's not whether you get on your knees or whether you pray in King James language. You know, it's not really about that. It's really about the posture of your heart. And the posture of Nehemiah's heart was that he humbled himself before the Lord. And said, God, I admit all all the things we've done and now we need your help and we need your grace and we need your forgiveness and we need to return back to you. And God allowed that to happen in his life. You see, Nehemiah had the heart of God. Literally, I believe Nehemiah had the heart of Christ in his life. We see Nehemiah as a type of Christ. And this is what we see in the way Jesus looked over Jerusalem and he wept for that city in Luke 19 41, and we see Jesus weeping over the city. Luke records this. And it says, When he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. Now, here Jesus is from a distance and he's looking over the city. But was it the city itself that he was weeping over, the physical part of the city? No, there was something deeper going on that, that literally compelled Jesus to be moved with compassion to be moved with the heart of God over the city of Jerusalem. Why did Jesus cry? Well, what caused him to have this deep mourning over the city? And basically what it was, it was over man's rejection of God. God was longing to bring them peace. The long-awaited Messiah was right in their midst, yet through their own blindness and their rejection of him, they refused to receive him. And so Jesus Weeps over the city because it it's, it represented God's people. Jerusalem represented not only the political and religious center of God's people, but it represented the heart of God and where God's glory was going to be shown through. And so Nehemiah basically had the same burden as as Christ. And I believe the reason why Nehemiah prayed and mourned and fasted for over four months is because God broke Nehemiah's heart for the city. And unless God broke his heart first, Nehemiah would be ineffective in changing the city. Should have gotten an amen there, but that's okay. It's 8.30, I'll let you guys slide. Listen, what good is it if I can restore things in people's lives, if God hasn't broken my heart first for that. You see, here's, here's, here's where we miss it. Here's where we can miss it. Yes, I want people's physical needs to be restored, obviously, right? Of course, we want people to, to be fed and to be clothed and all those things are, are great and we need to do that. But what is God looking at in the hearts of his people? He's looking at the souls of his people. That is what's in destruction because of sin. Sin has separated us from the very heart of God. And the heartbeat of God for you and I today is to allow God's heartbeat to be our heartbeat for the souls of people. And so what Nehemiah did for four months was pray over that city of Jerusalem because he saw the hearts of people were far away from him. And that's what began to birth in Nehemiah's heart as he wept and he cried over his city, over God's city, over the destructions in their lives. And until God breaks our heart, over the things that we've grieved him over, your lives will never change. We'll end up doing the same thing over and over and over again until God literally breaks your heart over the choices that we have made. Things will never change. We won't won't experience the fullness of God's grace. And until God breaks our heart for our city, we won't really care for the souls that are here. We just won't. Because we'll care more about our lives and what we're doing and our hobbies and and our own little world. Until God really breaks our heart for this city, we're not going to really do anything about it. Are you hearing me? Are, are, Are you tracking with me? Unless God breaks our heart, and Nehemiah spent months praying, and I believe because of Nehemiah's prayer and Nehemiah bowing his heart before the Lord, God kept giving him his heart and giving him his heart and giving him his heart for what he saw over his people and how much he loved his people and how much he desired for them to come back into a right relationship with him. It's easy for us to get numb to what we see around us and numb to the people around us and numb to the sin that we see around us. We have 10,000 people over 10,000 people that live in Ontario. The surrounding towns around us within an 8 to 10 mile radius is another 20,000. There are 30,000 people safe to say that live within the radius of living word. The churches that preach the gospel that preach the salvation message of Jesus Christ there's not many. We have six churches in Ontario serving over 10,000 people. Listen, we can't stop growing. Right, right in our own community, there are over 10,000 people. And the percentage of those people that actually go to church, whether they go to church that preaches the gospel or not, is, is, is some statistics say is well under 7%. That breaks my heart. You see, in order for us to have the heart of Christ, in order for us to, to see the walls of people's lives uh, to be reestablished, we got to start praying, people we've got to weep over our community but it has to start here's the pattern it has to start with us Lord just forgive me of my apathy just forgive me of my apathy a little bit of my coldness in my spiritual it starts with that not to beat ourselves up but to but to but to have that translate into a heart that says God I, I I'm sorry that that my passion for you, I've let my candle kind of dim. So forgive me of that. And then the next step would be, Lord, begin to break my heart through prayer that I'm going to get serious now and start praying about things. Start really praying about the areas of of my life that are in disarray. And I'm going to really lay that before you and make it a matter of prayer in my own life first. And then what I want to do, Lord, is I want to take that next step and I want to truly begin to pray for my community and to pray for Ontario and to truly begin to pray that you begin to do a work in this community because there's so many lives that need to know you. And, and the way we begin to have the heart of God, the only way we can do it is through prayer. And so my my heartbeat for you as as your pastor. This is, this I just think, for some reason, Nehemiah, I don't know, and maybe I'm way off base here. I don't really know if Nehemiah really got that word for the first time. I don't know if, if Nehemiah kind of knew about it or didn't. I, I don't know. The scriptures are kind of vague there. But let's just say, maybe God just did something Miraculous in the heart, supernatural in the heart of Nehemiah that caused him to do something that he couldn't do on his own. I don't think I'm out of, I don't think I'm off base, I don't think I'm way off base here because I think what happens is for you and I is that we need a supernatural move of God in our lives. We, we, I, I, I could sit there and be a cheerleader for you and, and get you all excited. and ah, let, Let's reach our community. Wah, wah, you know, get you all excited. But you know, what? the minute you leave this sanctuary and you go back to your normal lives, it's easy for us to get unless there's a supernatural move of God in our lives. So here's what I'm thinking. God, you've got to do it in my heart because you know what? My neighbors just irritate me, Right? Let's be honest. Some of you are sitting here saying, Pastor, if you knew my neighbor, they just irritate me to no end. And me sitting next to them in church on Sunday, what? If they, sh- if they showed up to church at the 8.30, I'd go to the 11. That's how much I despise them. How many of you know we need a supernatural move of God in our heart to change our heart? And so maybe that's what you need to pray. God, you need to... Because I can't do it on my own because I don't have a lot of apathy right now. I'm just irritated. I'm just irritated with what's going on in our country. I don't have a lot of apathy. And it, it can only take a move of God in our hearts in order to grab His heart. It's got to be supernatural. It's got to be spiritual. It, it's got to come from God and God alone so that the glory doesn't come to you. The glory goes to God because you, you would say in your heart... The only way I have this compassion now to reach out to my neighbor is because God did it, is because God did it, is because God did it. That's the grace of God in your heart, that God begins to so intrinsically grab your heart and overwhelm you with his desires that you know it's not your desires anymore working through you. It's God doing the work through you because he's broken your heart and his desires are now becoming your desires that you never had before. And so you need that from the Lord. And so this is what we're going to do as we pray and as we commit our lives to the Lord. We're going to commit, God, you do the desire in my heart. You break my heart. It's got to be a supernatural workout because I can't do it on my own. I I need you to break my heart. I need to really start pressing and praying and asking you not only move in my heart, but to move in the heart of my community and my own community neighborhood god you 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 only you can do that And so that's the commitment i'm not i'm not asking you where you are now i'm not asking you say, i'm doing pretty good pastor because i pray all the time hallelujah and i'm doing pretty good i'm not asking you where you are now i'm asking you to say god you need to do the the supernatural work in my heart and you know what that's what i love about the work of the holy spirit because the gifts of the holy spirit are not natural they're supernatural. And God's the one that gives them. And God needs to do supernatural work in your heart. Your salvation did not come from natural means of yourself. It came by the work of the Spirit of God that changed your heart. Not anything that you've done. It was supernatural from the work of God through His Holy Spirit that God changed your life by His grace. Amen? So God has to do that work in our heart and that's My prayer for you, that God will begin to do that work just as God supernaturally took a hold of Nehemiah's heart and Nehemiah's life and was able to change a whole community for the Lord. Amen? Amen? God can do it. He can do it. So I'm going to ask Pastor Mike to come up. He's going to lead you into the instruction on what you are to do with your brick today. And I'm excited about what the Lord's going to do. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And uh, thank you, Pastor Mike. And uh, God bless you. Love you guys. Amen. All
1: right. Um, Hopefully God has been uh, stirring something in your heart as we've been hearing kind of the idea of our community and our neighbors, maybe your coworker, maybe a family member, maybe someone you actually live with in your own house maybe needs a move of God and you need to change your heart of what you might think about them. Uh, Just wanted to kind of give you some instructions as to kind of really hone in on some things. Um, Wrote some things down as God was just kind of doing some stuff uh, through the message. Uh, Number one, maybe you need to pray that uh, you need to to ask God to forgive you for your apathy. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe to even think to yourself, you know what, I'm going to put a card up there for someone I'm going to pray with. But if you were honest, you'd say, I'm probably not going to pray for him. Because I'm just doing it because I feel guilty that I'm not praying for him. And we need to go to a step before that. We need to say, I need to ask God to forgive me of my apathy so that I am am moved and broken in the place where I need to be so that I can pray. Because if you put a card up here, I know that I could put a card up here and then feel good about myself and then walk out and not pray. God hasn't actually broken my heart. I've limited it to just putting a card up here. So maybe that's your step. Uh, maybe number two, maybe you need to pray for a, a co worker, a friend. Uh, you need to put their name down. There's someone that's really on your heart that you've really been moved to pray for that you want to see God do something crazy radical in their life. And you say, God, this is the person that if there's someone in my life that I want to see moved by you, this is them. Maybe it's a coworker, a friend. Maybe it's an enemy. Maybe someone who despises you, and you're not sure what's going on, but you know you need to see a move of God in them. Um, and lastly, maybe you just want to pray for your whole community. Maybe wherever you live, if you live in Webster, Ontario, or Williamson, or Sodus, or Rondequoit, or wherever you live, and you just say, you know what, I'm just going to do- ask for something crazy in my, in, my, in my community, my whole community. Maybe you want to just get global like that. Um, either way, ask God to break your heart. Ask God to reveal what part he wants you to play as you pray this week hopefully you're not just putting this up here to say you're going to pray and then don't pray I've made that mistake more times than I can count you're probably with me let's make a commitment to say I'm going to actually pray for this person put an alarm on your phone if you have a a, some sort of device put an alarm on there to remind you every morning I'm going to pray for this person 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 make it bug you turn off the snooze so it just keeps going Keeps going and keeps bugging you to remind you that that person was who God put on your heart now, so that when you forget about it later, God can re- you can be reminded again and again. So, we're going to sing this song, we're just going to worship God. So I'm going to ask you um, guys, you guys, you can either sit and you can write down what you want to do. You can stand and think and pray. But as we sing this, I'm going to invite you to come up like we've been doing and lay your cards down here as an illustration, a symbolic illustration. This is what you're going to pray for. You're going to pray for forgiveness for apathy. You're going to pray for someone specific and you're going to write their name down or you're going to pray for your community and just write that community on the back of your card. Those are kind of your three options. If you want to go beyond that, do whatever God's putting on your heart. Those are just three things that you can hone in on if you want. But let's pray. Let's stand. Um, if you wanted, you can sit. If you wanted, and write that down. But we're just gonna uh, pray and and sing. And when you're ready, you can sing with us. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace and your love and your care. I pray that you would put on our hearts to 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 do something radical um, for you, God. That if we're not uh, if we're not someone who normally prays, God, make us a prayer warrior. Make us someone who is interested and intrigued and 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 burdened and hurt by the things that hurt you. Help us be compassionate for the things that you're compassionate about. Help us to be um, broken for the things that break you. So, God, as we respond, don't let it end here at this wall. Help it to go beyond this place into our homes, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: You're the Lord of this nation You are You're the light in this darkness You're the hope to the hopeless You're the peace to the restless You are And There is no one like us Come. Greater things still to be done in this city. Greater things have yet to come. Greater things still to be done in this city. You're the God of this city. You're the King of these people. You're the Lord of this nation, you are. You're the light in this darkness, you're the hope to the hopeless, you're the peace to the restless, you are. There is no one like our God.
3: To come, greater things are still to be done in this city. Greater things are yet to come, greater things are still to be done here.
2: You're the Lord of creation, the creator of all things, you're the king of all kings. You're the strength in our weakness. You're the love to the broken. You're the joy in the sadness. You are.
0: God, as we just stand in your presence, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that supernaturally you can work in our hearts and take away our selfishness and our apathy. And only you can do that, God. And that's what we pray. As I lay my hands on this wall, Lord, I thank you for every single individual decision that has been made here today that says, God, we want to follow you. Lord, we want to overcome our apathy. We want to pray for our community. Lord, Lord, we know that this is your will, that this is your heart. And we want to please you, Lord. I thank you for the heart of Nehemiah and the prayer of Nehemiah that's our example today. To say, Lord, it's not about us. It's about you and it's about your glory and it's about your message. And so, Lord, allow us to become that people. I thank you, Lord, that you convert that into every single one of our hearts, God. And so I thank you, Lord, it's not through my strength or my ability, but it's through the working of your spirit that these things can be accomplished. Lord, the same... Encouragement that you gave to Zerubbabel as he came back and, and saw that the temple was not rebuilt just before Nehemiah came. And, and Lord, what you told through the prophet Zechariah, you said, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord, that this will be accomplished. And Lord, we need to hear that today because for some of us here today, we've been trying in our own strength and we've just been failing miserably. So it's not by my strength or my power, but Lord, it's by your spirit that you can do this, that you can reach our community, that you can change our hearts. So Lord, I just pray a, just a, a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit upon your people today. That Lord, we will begin to... Feel with your heart and see with your eyes, God, so we thank you, and I, I just give you the glory Jesus I, I thank you for what you 're going to do and how you 're going to change lives and change this community uh, God, I thank you that that you 're in the restoration business that, that God you restore lives that just seem hopeless and broken and destroyed, and you can change them God so we believe you can do that through your power God so start with us, I pray today as we go in your presence and we go in your spirit God so we just thank you for your word today and we just give you the glory now in Jesus wonderful 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 name we ask these things and all God's people said amen amen let's give the Lord thanks for his word today amen amen listen God bless you guys I love you have a wonderful day go in God's grace amen
2: You are, you're the light in this darkness, you're the hope to the hopeless, you're the peace to the restless, you are, and there is no one like our God. It i yeah.